podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc. I want to ask you a question today. In your life, this is what you need to think about. I want you to ask yourself this. In your life, is this as good as it gets? Ask yourself that question as we launch into what I want to talk about today. I want you to just ask yourself that question because I think much of the time we think about it maybe subconsciously, but, but have you ever really just asked yourself, really, is this as good as life gets? Is this, is, this, is this as good or can it actually be better than what it is? Can it be better or is this it? Um, I think a lot of people have settled into, well, this is, this is probably it, so I'll just learn to survive. They're not really dreaming and thinking and believing that it can be better. Uh, this series has been about that. It's about stirring you up in, in the reality that, that the, the Bible, God's Word, teaches us that, that life can still be better. I believe that it can be better than it's ever been. Uh, I believe your life, your, your marriage, your home, your children, your finances, regardless where you're at, your career, your health, regardless what you're up against, regardless how old, how young, I still believe, and I believe the Bible backs this up, that your life can still be better. Regardless of what you've been through, regardless of what's been lost, it still can be better. Now, the problem with so many people at all of our campuses is that they end up tolerating and accepting what is instead of fighting for what God has promised. I want you to think about that because your life is going to be absolutely the same year after year as long as you are tolerating and accepting what is. With God's Word, it's God's promise, and all God's promises come to pass in your life because you release faith, or you believe for it, or you fight for it. God's promises don't happen automatically. You have to fight for them. You have to believe them. You have to declare for them. We talked about it last week. You have to go after them. You have to pursue them. But here's the problem. As long as we are accepting, and as long as we are tolerating the what is, then you're not going to have what God has promised. And uh, we see this very clearly. We've been showing you this in Scripture in Isaiah 42. God's people, much like us today, uh, they were facing a lot of situations and a lot of struggle and a lot of pain. Actually, they were in captivity, slaves. It probably is a lot worse than what we've ever gone through ourselves. Uh, but how many of you know when you're going through it, it's still, it's still pain? It still seems as much as if what other people have gone through, but these people are really going through it, and, and, and God kind of outlines this, the condition of these people, I believe, to help us see what we need to fight for. And so he says here in Isaiah 42, 22, it says, look at God's people. Others have defeated them and have stolen from them. The young men are afraid. They're locked in prisons. People have taken advantage of them, and there's no one to protect them. Hear this. Others take their money. So, so it's, it's just a bad, bad life. They're losing their money. Their, their offspring, their kids, the next generation is intimidated and afraid, and 
There's no future for them, no destiny, and, 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 and they're just living in defeat. Things have been taken and stolen from them. But then God gives this response that I really hope you're hearing in this series. God says this. He says, and there is no one saying, give it back. There's no one saying, give it back. The King James or the New King James says it this way. And no one says, restore. It's like God is saying, really? You're just going to let the enemy come in and steal your future and steal your destiny and steal your money and steal your health, and you're just going to tolerate it? You're just going to, you're going to accept it, and, and you're going to survive in it? Why, why in the world is not anybody taking a stand and saying, enough is enough. I want it back. I want my health back. I want my money back. I want my kids back. And as long, here's the point, and as long as we're tolerating, it's going to be the same old thing. Come on, church, celebration. We need some radicals that'll say enough is enough. I'm tired of being defeated. I'm tired of being sad. I'm not going to carry this frown another Sunday. I'm going to get my, come on, I'm going to get my stuff back. Nobody is saying Restore. Nobody's saying restore. Nobody is saying give it back. Now, now in this series, that's what we've been talking about. We've been talking about this reality, and the reality is this, is that God is a restorer. That's the reason why he said, I, really, I don't get this. Why isn't anybody saying restore? Because God is, in essence, it's who he is. It's what he does. He restores. But he can't restore as long as you're surviving, as long as you're embracing and accepting what is. He needs somebody to stand up and say, hey, you can't have my kids and you can't have my stuff. In fact, the Bible says when a thief is caught, he has to repay. But some of you aren't saying that's thievery. Some of you aren't standing up and saying, hey, I I want it back. And the Bible says it has to be returned, not even just twice, not three times, but sevenfold. And I think God is looking at the condition of these people. He's looking at the condition of the church today, and he's, he's just wondering in your life, in your home, in your finances, he's just wondering why you're tolerating instead of fighting for restoration. It's, it's who he is. It's, it's what he, he does. Now, we get confused when it comes to restoration because most of us think restoration is how, you know, the, the English dictionary defines it. Restoration in the English dictionary means to return it back to the original condition, to return it back to its original condition. But, but that's not what it means in the Bible. When you see it in the Bible, it doesn't mean to return it back to the original condition. It literally means to always make it better than it's ever been. That's the reason why we're calling this series Better Than It's Ever Been. When God speaks of restoration, He's not talking about doing the same thing. He's talking about making it better than it's ever been. And that'll help make sense because how many of you know that, that some things can't be replaced? Some of you have lost loved ones. They're, they're, they're not going to come back. So, so restoration is not bringing it back to its original condition but God somehow gets into that pain. Somehow God gets into that, that, that loss and God heals and restores and he makes your life better. If you allow him, he'll make it better than it's ever been. 
Sometimes you can't start over. You can't start maybe that business over. But I'm here to tell you, you can always start again. And that new beginning and that new start can always be better than it's ever been. See, restoration, hear me, biblically speaking, is not about it being the same. When God says, I will restore, he's always talking about, I will make your life better than it's ever been. Man, I'm telling you, that almost, if, if I was... If I was Pentecostal, I'd take off running right now. Does that not, does that not get you excited to think that God is not looking to do the same thing in my life? He's looking at trying to make, he's not trying, he's going to make it better. And he's looking at our lives today and he's saying, really, you're just going to survive. You're just going to accept. You're just going to cope. How about opening your mouth, taking the stand, releasing some faith and believing that I can make it better than it's ever been. And that's what I believe God is wanting to do here in celebration. I believe He's wanting to do it in our lives, at all of our campuses. Um, now, today, I really want to double down on this truth of restoration. And the reason why I do is because I truly believe that for so many of you, it's the answer to your situation. Um, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, we've really been talking about restoration. The, rest, the, the first week we talked about the five areas that God wants to restore, and we introduced the concept to you. And if you weren't here, I encourage you to get the podcast. Last week, we gave you the how-tos. It's a, how do I bring restoration in my life? It's, it's the teaching. It was the three Ps, three things you have to do if you're ever going to see your life get better. The Bible's very clear, and if you weren't here, shame on you. Just kidding, but you should have been here. But here's the good news. You can go online and get the podcast, and it's free, so there's no excuses. You can get caught up and go to work on doing those three Ps. And so this week, I want to talk about and double down and just smack you upside the head and convince you before you leave today, that God really wants to make it better. Oh, I've got some work to do. I hope you're getting it there in Madeira and Fresno. God wants to make it better. Can I just say this before we dive into it? Uh, next week, I wouldn't miss next week. In fact, when God gave me this, this, whole, this whole subject matter, it was really for me. He was dealing with me and showing me some things and he actually gave me a, a truth and a message, and I'm going to teach it next week. It's the only message I really had. I didn't expect to do all these others. But next week, I'm going, I'm going to talk about God's mercy and restoration in your failure. Uh, I wouldn't miss next week. I believe it's going to be one of the most powerful messages that I've taught in a long time. So let's double down on this truth that God wants to make it better than ever, that God wants to restore. Um, I want to do that today. By, by bringing your attention to something that James said in the book of James in the New Testament, uh, in James chapter 5, um, that, that I believe will help us as we're, we're really doubling down on this whole idea of restoration. Now, James is the half-brother of Jesus. I, I like this. Uh, in fact, Jude is the half-brother of Jesus, too. So I love the book of James, and I love the book of Jude because, I mean, who else would have an inside lane to who Jesus was than the guys who shared the same bedroom that Jesus? In fact, what's interesting is that James didn't become a believer in Jesus Christ until Jesus was raised from the dead. 
I mean, it's kind of hard to uh, convince your brother you're Jesus, right? Right? So, so Jesus was never able to convince James that he was Jesus until he did that, 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 that back from the dead thing after three days. And then James says, hey, that was Jesus. And so after that point is James became a believer and then he, he helped pastor uh, believers, and he, he wrote, wrote this book that we have in our Bible. And he gives us an example here, and he's talking to the people that are going through a great struggle. They're, they're facing uh, stuff much like we are today, and uh, they're just kind of down on themselves, and they're just like, wow, this is, this is tough, and does it get any better? And, and, and James is like, man, you guys just need to persevere, that, 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 that better things are ahead. And he uses this man by the name of Job uh, to illustrate what they need to do in their lives to finish strong. Notice what James says in 5, 11, James chapter 5, verse 11, to these New Testament believers. Job is an example of a man who continued to trust the Lord in sorrow. From his experiences, we can see how the, Lord, how the Lord's plan finally ended in good. Now, now I want to read this from a, different, a couple of different translations because I want you to get the the picture here. Again, James is, is talking to, to believers, New Testament believers, much like he's talking to us today who are really going through the struggle of life, wanting to quit, wanting to give up. And he says, hey, guys, you need to hang in there. And he says, and, and, and this is the reason why, and he brings this example of Job. Let me read it out of the English version. It says, you have heard about Job. You know that after all his troubles, the Lord helped him. So he's trying to encourage them. Hey, you're not the only one that's been through it. There was a guy in the Old Testament. In fact, Job, this guy Job, there's a whole book about him in the Old Testament. He lived thousands of years before James. And, and, and we have 42 chapters of a life uh, 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 that really was, was just a life of suffering and pain. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. But, but James is trying to help New Testament believers saying, hey, you can get through this. You can do this. You can, you can believe God and you can see restoration in your life. James 5.11 in the Amplified says it this way. He says, you have heard of the endurance of Job and you've seen the Lord's purpose and how he richly blessed him, notice, in the end how he richly blessed him in the end. So here is James, Jesus' half-brother, using Job as an example to remind these New Testament believers about two specific things. And this is what he's communicating in this one verse. He's trying to tell them, hey, you've heard about, number one, Job's losses. And then the second thing, he says, hey, you've heard about Job's restoration. And I want you to hear that. That's what he's saying in this verse. Hey, you've heard about Job's struggle. You've heard about Job's sorrow. You've heard about Job's, Job's trouble. But you've also heard about Job's restoration. You've heard about his help. You've heard about his blessings. You heard how his life ended in good. Now, James in his writing says, you guys have heard, you guys have heard, you guys have heard, you've heard about Job, you've heard about his, his loss, you've heard about his restoration. So, so New Testament believers of that day heard, but here's my question. How about modern day believers? Have you heard about this man by the name of Job? Have you heard about his losses? And have you heard about how God restored his life? 
And, and James thought it was so important that thousands of year later, years later, he uses this example to encourage people that were almost on the edge of quitting and giving up on life. And today at all of our campuses, I want to use this example and I want to say, hey, have you heard about Job's losses and have you heard about Job's restoration? Let's talk about it. Uh, Let's talk about Job's losses, first of all. This might encourage somebody who thinks that, you know, the devil's kind of singled you out. Life may not be as bad as you think it is after we get done telling you about Job. Job is, uh, is a book in the Old Testament, 42 chapters in, in all. It's describing a period in Job's life where, where all of hell has come against him and attacked him and devoured everything he possessed. Uh, it all started out good. Uh, Job's a, a follower of Christ, a follower of God. He, he's, he's, uh, he's a devout man. He's, he's, uh, in fact, at that moment, he was the most influential and the wealthiest man of the, the whole East, that part of the, the, the world at that time. And so things were going really good for him, but then all hell comes against him. And in one single day, and you can read it, it's 42 chapters, but within the first two chapters, you'll find out that in one day, everything changed for Job. He ends up losing everything he owns. It, it's all destroyed. It's all consumed. It's all, it's all stolen. It's all devoured. And let me just track through this and, and, and give you a few uh, for instances here. Uh, The Bible says in chapter 1 that a thousand of his oxen and donkeys are stolen. Enemies come in and they steal his livestock, a thousand of them. Now, that may not mean anything to you, but that's like somebody taking your house and your car and your bank account because these were farmers and ranchers and that's how they made their money. So a thousand of their oxen and donkeys, a thousand of his oxen and donkeys are stolen. But not only that, the ranch hands, the servants that were tending to them were all killed in that battle. And then, not only that, another enemy on the same day came in and stole 3,000 camels. 3,000, again, that's money, that's resources, that's provision. And not only that, the ranch hands that were feeding and caring for the camels were also murdered and killed that day. Not only that, 7,000 sheep, it's all the livestock he has, on the same day were killed by lightning along with the ranch hands and the servants. A mass amount of devastation, a mass amount of death. All of his animals are gone, and then it's not over. On the same day, 10 of Job's children were killed in a tornado. So he's lost all his wealth. He's lost all of his ranch hands, all of his livestock. Now he's preparing for 10 funerals after just one day of all hell unleashing its vengeance upon him. And then the Bible goes on. 42 chapters of it, and it talks about another day, how Job is afflicted with sickness and disease. He's attacked, and his body breaks out with boils all over. The Bible says it got so bad that he literally used pottery to scrape the, the blisters and the, the boils, and he, he, he looked so miserable that his wife looked at him, the Bible says, and, and she looked at Job, and she said, I can't believe you look hopeless. You, you look miserable. What you need to do is just curse God and die. That's his own wife saying that. 
He looked a mess. He looked hopeless. He's scraping the blisters. He's scraping the boils. And now his wife is looking at him and saying, Oh, Job, you're a miserable mess. You just should curse God and die. You know what Job said about that? Job said in chapter 2, verse 10, he says, Woman, you speak as a fool. (laughs) I kind of like that. You know, sometimes you just got to talk back to your wife. <laughs> Listen, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. No ugly emails. So he's lost everything he has. His wife's saying, You should just curse God and die. He's feeling bad. Nobody's, nobody's fighting for him. And on another day, the Bible then says that Job had some friends and they came to comfort him. But by the end of that day, they end up condemning him, judging him, criticizing him, and accusing him of everything that is wrong in his life, he must have done something wrong. And Job said this, he says in chapter 12, verse 4, he says, I'm mocked by my friends. So instead of them being friends, they actually betray him and condemn him and judge him and say and begin to tell him, you're getting what you deserve. When it's all done, talking about Job's losses, uh, Satan had attacked Job with sickness and disease, poverty and lack, rejection and betrayal, trying to get Job to turn his back on God. And at the end of all of that loss, Job refused. He refused to turn his back on God. In fact, this is what Job said. This is what Job... You think, you think, you think it's hard to go to church? Listen, Job went through all of that, and he's still showing up. He's still trusting. He's still believing. In fact, here's what Job said. Here's what Job said concerning all of his losses. Job 19.25, but as for me, I know my Redeemer lives. Wow, 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 wow. You've got to be kidding me. In all of that loss, he's not whining. He's not pouting. He's not feeling sorry for himself. No, he says, I know. This is what I know in my hell, in my loss, in my pain. This is what I know. My Redeemer lives. That's a powerful statement because that word Redeemer in the Hebrew language literally means the one who restores. The one who makes it better than it's ever been. I know my Redeemer, my Restorer lives. And He's going to get right in the middle of my hell. He's going to get right in the middle of my mess. And He's going to make this. I don't know how He's going to do it because I'm hurting and I'm bleeding and I'm sad and I'm discouraged. But He's going to get right into the middle of this and He's going to make it better than it's ever been. That was Job's losses. Let's talk about Job's restoration because remember, James, the brother of Jesus, says, you've heard, you've heard, you've heard about Job's losses, and now you also have heard about Job's restoration and celebration. I've got to make sure you've heard about Job's losses, and now you've got to hear about Job's restoration. We see it here in Job 42.10, after it's all said and done. Notice what the Bible says. Then when Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored. Restored means made it better than it's ever been. Now, I think it's interesting. Job is praying, and prayer is essential to restoration. We talked about that last week. But sometimes for restoration to come into your life, you can't hate on those who've been hating you. 
That's the reason why he's praying for his friends. They really weren't his friends. They had stuck him in the back. They had literally betrayed him, and he knew that he was hurt by them and offended towards them. So he had to clear the air and say, God, I forgive them, and I let them go. I'm just here to tell somebody, restoration can't come as long as you're hating on the haters. Come on, that's good preaching right there. You're going to have to let it go. Notice what happened. He prays for his friends. The Lord restores his wealth and happiness. Now, that's another point. The Lord not only restores his possessions, but more importantly, hear me today, God restores his emotions, his, his happiness. To me, it's the easy thing is the possessions. To me, the easy thing is the wealth and the resources and the job. But see, what God wants to really heal is that pain that came when you got, when you got taken advantage of. When, when you experienced that loss, you know how you harbored that on the inside and closed yourself off to everybody. You didn't even let God go into that room. And even though you're experiencing fun, enjoyable things today, it's hard for you to enjoy it because you're still hurt and wounded with the things of the past. And God is saying, I'm going to give back the possessions, but I'm also going to give back the happiness and the joy in your heart. God is restoring happiness. God is fixing your emotions. Come on, somebody needs to hear me. God is fixing emotions. You don't have to pop another pill, drink another bottle. God is healing emotions. Somebody shout yes. Let me read this out of the Weymouth translation. It says, and the Lord restored all things, double the Job all things. So there was nothing lacking. God gave it all back, made it better than it ever was. And let me read this in the message translation. God blessed Job's latter life or later life even more than his earlier life. Wow. That's, that's, that's restoration. Now, now, now we read the book of Job, all 42 chapters, like it's a documentary of Job's whole life. But, but they tell us the whole book of Job is only a time period of about 9 to 15 months. 9 to 15 months, the 42 chapters. It's not Job's whole life. So what that means is that Job went through 9 to 15 months of the worst time period of his life. But that worst time period of his life ended up being the setup for even a better life. I just came here today to tell somebody that hell you're going through right now, that pain you're going through right now, that loss you're going through right now, I believe is a setup for a better, better, better life. Come on, somebody ought to receive this. Somebody ought to fight for this. Somebody ought to believe for this. It's not going to be your whole life. I'm here to tell you God's going to show up and make it better than it's ever been. If you'll fight for it, if you'll believe God for it, if you'll allow him to do it in your life. In Job 42, 16, we're still talking about God's restoration in his life. It says Job lived 140 years after that. 140 years. <laughs> after what? After the struggle, after the hell, after the pain, after the loss. He lives 140 years after that. After that, living to see his grandchildren and great-grandchildren too, then at last he died, not just an old, but an old, old man. After living a long, not, not pitiful life, good life. So after 15 months of devastation, he lives 140 years 
of a life better than he ever dreamed of. Don't tell me God can't fix it. Don't tell me God can't restore it. Come on, you need to hear it. And James, the brother of Jesus, dealing with a people that were very discouraged, wanting to quit. He said, listen, guys, you've heard of Job. You've heard of his losses and you've heard of his restoration. And you need to believe that God can do that for you today. And I'm here to tell celebration. Now you have heard of Job's losses and now you have heard of Job's restorations. And I declare God is doing it for you today. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. Come on, let's just take a break. Let God know we believe it. You know, if you'd shout more, I'd stop sooner. Give me a few more amens. I'll shorten this message. Look, at somebody waking up. Must be a game on today. I can hear you in Fresno, Madeira. Now, what's interesting to me is I want to go back and read that verse again that James wrote talking to those New Testament believers. And I want to read out the New King James Version because it says something very interesting there. James 5.11. It says, he says, you have heard of the perseverance of Job. In other words, what Job went through and how he persevered. And notice, and seeing the, in, the end intended by the Lord. The end intended by the Lord. What a great, great truth here James is bringing to believers. He says, you have, you have heard about the hell Job went through, but you also need to understand that through all that hell, God had an intended end for Job. And that intended end is that Job's losses would stop and that God would give him double for his trouble. That intended end meant that God was going to put a stop to the pain and the suffering and the situation and make his life better than it's ever been. But that promise is not just to Job, and it wasn't just to New Testament believers that James is talking about here, but that promise is to, to, to modern-day Christians. It's the celebration, and I'm here to declare to you, I don't care what hell you're going through, God has an intended end, and that is to stop the loss, to stop the pain, and to bring full restoration in your life. And I could show you verse after verse after verse that proves this point. But quickly, let me just show you three, and then we're going to let you go. Job chapter 8, verse 7. This is the book of Job. Greatest truth that comes out of Job is right here. Even though you're not much right now, you're end, you'll end up better than ever. Hello, title of the series. You'll end up better. Come on, somebody help me preach. You'll end up better than ever. All right, so your marriage isn't much now. It's okay. Come on, it's going to end up better. All right, so your finances aren't much now. It's okay. It's going to get better. Oh, my body's full of pain, and I'm an old rag. That's okay. It's going to get What's your problem? You're not too old. You're not too young. I'm here to tell you, God will restore all things. You might not be much now, but it's going to be better and better. I'm going to have to shout myself. Glory to God. <laughs> the Bible says that the path of the righteous gets brighter and brighter. One translation says better 
and better and better. Instead of trying to survive in your pain, why not let God in there and restore it back to you? Restore your health. Restore your wealth. Restore your peace. Restore your joy. Even though you're not much right now, you'll end up better than ever. For those that don't really like me much, hang on. I'm getting better. You don't like my preaching? Hang on. It's going to get better. I don't know if I really like celebrating. Hang on. Keep coming. It's going to get better. I don't know if I like my city. It's okay. It's going to get... Yeah, but that dog keeps pooping on my yard. It's okay. It's going to get... I believe this. Oh, I believe this. Church, we need to be optimistic. We need to be a people of faith. We don't need to be discouraged. We don't need to be depressed. We need to believe that God can show up in our hell and in our mess and make it better than it's ever been. Psalms 37, 37. I like this. For the good man, the blameless, the upright, the man of peace. That's you, by the way. The Bible says you have been made the righteousness of God. When you received Jesus, it wasn't based on your performance. It's based on his performance. Therefore, God declares you righteous, and now you qualify for God's intended end. What is his intended end? He has a wonderful future ahead of him. For him, there is a happy... I just read the end of your book. There is a happy... Come on, I just read the end of your story. Come on, no more tears, no more griping, no more complaining. Your story gets a happy ending. One more verse. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 8. It's one of my favorite verses. It says, the end of a thing is better than its beginning. The end of a thing. The end of a thing. Some of you need to hear this today. The thing you're living right now has an end. The pain has an end. The struggle has an end. The financial situation you're facing, it has an end. The end is coming to that pain. The end is coming to the struggle. Hear me, things don't last forever. There is an end to everything. The Bible says to everything there is a season. And the Bible says when that thing ends... Your life gets better. (laughs) God's word is that your life, God's promise is that your life at the end of that struggle, of that pain, of that loss, and listen, it don't have to last a lifetime. It can happen one day at the end of all that. God says, I'll still show up and I'll still make it better. It's going to be better. Here's the last verse I want to look at, Isaiah 61. Powerful, powerful verse I'm getting ready to show you. Uh, If you don't get excited now, you're going to miss out on your opportunity to get excited because we're almost done. I've done my best to stir you, to double down on God's truth that he wants to restore and make it better. This isn't a preacher thing. It doesn't just work for preachers. It works for you. It works for believers. In Isaiah 61, what's interesting is that God's people are coming out of slavery. They're coming out of captivity. They're coming out of a time of severe struggles and difficulties. Again, if you was to compare what you're going through to what they're going through, it would make our situations look very, very mild. 
But God makes this promise to them. And he's also making it to us. In Isaiah 61, 7, he says this, because you got a double dose of trouble. <laughs> Can anybody relate? Come on, who wants to be... Who wants to be fake today or who wants to be real? I know we dress up real good and we look real good and we act like everything's together. But the truth of the matter is most of us or a lot of us at all of our campuses, if we could really be honest in church, we'd say, hey, it's been hell. I've got a double dose of trouble. You know, you say, well, how are you doing this? We go, oh, bless going in and bless coming out. All the No. I mean, that's not the confession you usually get in the lobby, right? How are you doing? Oh, we're doing fine. And you just got in this big old fight with your husband. No, the truth is, so many of us have had a double dose of trouble, double dose of pain, double dose of struggle. But the verse doesn't end there. It says, but your inheritance in the land will be doubled and your joy will go on forever. I've come to tell somebody today, (laughs) you need to get ready because your trouble has qualified you for the double. Your, Your struggle, your struggle has qualified you for the double. Your, your pain has qualified you for the double. Do you, do you see what God's saying here? I know you're hurt. I see the tears you shed, but I want you to know that I'm going to show up and give you double for the trouble. I know you've had a double dose of hell, but what I need you to believe in is that I could show up and give you a double blessing, a double favor. Come on, I could give you a double, double, double of my grace, of my healing. God can fix it. God can make it better. Than it's ever been double. Now, now, maybe you don't get that, but in other translations it says you'll have double a double measure of wealth. You have a double portion of prosperity, a double portion of success. This is one I really like. You'll have a double portion of joy and happiness. Double portion. God, God's going to get into that area. God's going. I, I need to talk. I need to. Give me just a moment. I need to say this because this is, this is me now. This is, this, is, this is where God is fixing me. Because I didn't realize that when you go through pain and loss, that, that sometimes you have a, a tendency, especially when you're shamed. And, and it's like, well, really, God? You, you could have showed up and fixed this, and you just kind of let, let me you know, hang out there to dry, and now I'm feeling shamed. And, and, and I didn't even know it that... that, that Although my life was doing really good on the outside, stuff and provision, it seemed like a complete success on the outside, there was a room in my heart that was off limits to everybody, including God. In fact, it was off limits to God because I was offended at God. Now don't look at me the crazy because so many of us, when we get hurt, the truth of the matter is we might not ever say it, but the truth of the matter is, is that we're hurt. And we're offended at God because God could have fixed this and he didn't. God could have stopped this and he didn't. And now I'm going through this pain and now I'm going through this struggle. And really, God, really? When I begin to study about restoration, I realize that it wasn't, it wasn't really about the stuff coming back. 
as much as it was about God getting into that room in your heart and bringing healing and bringing joy and bringing help. Because hear me today, some of you have lost loved ones through tragedy. They were too young to die and you can't get them back. I had a brother that died at the age of 40 with cancer. We couldn't get him back. Fought everything that's within us to to see him healed and he didn't get healed. He died and couldn't raise his kids. God, you could have fixed it. You could have showed up, God, and you, you could have made all the difference and you just kind of back away and you just kind of hold that little place off in your, your life and you get your new job and you get your new car and you get your new stuff and you look good out here. But the problem is, is that you're really not enjoying any of it out there because you're hurt in here. And God is saying, I'm not going to just give you the car back. I'm not just going, oh, come on somebody. I'm not just going to give you the stuff back, Job. But I'm going to get in your heart and where you're hurt and where you're offended and where you're bruised. I'm going to make you happy again so you can enjoy your stuff. I don't know how God does it, but he does it. You could go through all the hell, lose all that you've lost. And somehow God is able to heal the hurt where you can begin to enjoy life again. I'm here to tell you, you might have experienced a double dose of pain. But I'm here to tell you, get ready. You're getting ready to experience a double dose of blessing. Your pain has qualified you for it. Your loss has qualified you for it. Come on, get ready. That abandonment has qualified you for the double. That person that walked out on you has qualified you for the double. Come on, that person that cheated you has qualified you for the double. That lost one, that lost relationship has qualified you. Come on, I'm telling you, it's time for a double dose of God's goodness. It's time for a double dose of God's favor. It's time for a double dose of God's promotion. Come on, somebody shout, double for the trouble. Come on, stand to your feet at all of our campuses. Double for the trouble. Double, if I believed in tattoos, I'd tattoo that on me right now. Double for the trouble. Double for the trouble. Somebody needs to hear it. Double for the trouble. God has an intended end. Come on, you, you haven't seen your best days yet. Come on, you haven't lived your best life yet. Double, double for the trouble. A double portion of his favor. A double portion of his blessings. Here's my final thought, and I'm done, and I'm out of here. I'm going to go chase my wife. Hear me at all the campuses. Instead of, hear, hear me, please hear me. This, this is the how-to. This is, this, is, this is how we do it. Instead of complaining and pouting about what you're going through, how about, how about doing what Job did? How about saying what Job said? What did he do and what did he say? He says, this is what I know. This is what I know. My Redeemer lives. The next time you want to point your finger, the next time you want to cry and weep, the next time you want to be depressed and be suicidal, the next time you want to take that pill and drink that bottle, I want to challenge you in that moment to lift your eyes and declare, this is what I know. My Redeemer lives. 
because it was that fight to persevere that allowed God to move in on the scene and restore double to Job. For some of you that are new in the church, I'm getting ready to prophesy. You don't know what that means? It just simply means this is what I believe God is saying to you right now. This is what I believe is getting ready to happen for those that are receiving restoration, promotions, breakthroughs, fulfilled promises. Come on, you got to hear this one. Cases settled are coming to pass in your life. I declare it so. I declare for every person that'll have faith to receive it. I got to say it again. Restoration, promotions, breakthroughs, fulfilled promises, cases settled are coming to pass in your life. Get ready. Double for your trouble. Lawsuits going away. Cases settled. Somebody needs, cases are going to be settled. I've gone, I've got a little late, but I, you can tell I have the preacher. I told my wife, I won't preach this thing today. I've come to double down on this truth. God wants to restore, and it begins right now. This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc.